Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode's music contains mass murder, but still evokes feelings of great satisfaction. Sometimes I get an earworm, a piece of music stuck in my head, and when I'm queuing at a shop, regular feature of ashram life, COVID life more widely I suspect, I often find myself singing this. It's a joyful, majestic, less than a minute of music, and I totally love it. It seems to be the go-to piece for my mind when it's feeling quite still and content with life. It's the opening of From Bohemia's Woods and Fields, or perhaps more accurately, From the Czech Woods and Fields. And it's one of six pieces that together make up Marvlast, My Country, by the Czech composer, Biedrich Smetana. We're gonna to listen to two of the six in this episode. A bit of background is useful here, because Marvlast is a piece with huge cultural significance to the Czechs. It's a sort of set of national anthems, but ones that people actually like. Czech lands have been ruled by foreigners for large parts of history, most often by the Austrians, I think. In Smetana's family, they spoke the official language, German. It was only when he was 36 that he began to learn Czech in the 1860s. He'd come back to Prague after some years in Sweden, because the political climate had eased a bit. In his twenties, he'd been part of a revolution attempt in 1848, joining efforts to introduce democracy, end Austrian rule, and he wrote patriotic songs and defended barricades on Prague's famous Charles Bridge. By the early 1860s, the authorities had decided to give the Czechs a bit more leeway in expressing their own identity. A provincial theatre in Prague was formed, and Smetana promptly wrote two very Czech operas for it. And then, in the 1870s, come the six tone poems, Marvlast. They tell historic tales and legends, evoke a sense of place and nationhood, and they're epic. Written as separate pieces, but designed too to work as a set. The whole thing lasts 80 minutes. Once Czechoslovakia became a country, the pieces were latched onto, and were so popular that it even got banned by the Nazis once they'd taken over. They were worried, having seen the feelings the performances could stir up. Prague has a big annual international music festival, the Prague Spring Festival, and it's opened every year since it began 70 years ago with the performance of Smetna's Marvlast. That performance takes place in Prague Municipal Hall, that's Smetna Hall, on the opening day, which is always the 12th of May, that's Smetana's birthday. It's fair to say they love Smetana, perhaps even more than that other great Czech composer. His younger colleague, friend is stretching it, Antonin Dvorak. Actually, one of the things that riled Smetana about Dvorak was the fact that Dvorak was better known internationally. I think that's probably true even now. Whilst Marvlast is a piece of nationalism, it seems to represent the acceptable face of that idea. Czech nationalism 
seems more of an assertion of history and heritage than a desire to divide and conquer, to proclaim themselves exceptional or better than their neighbours. And of course, in the 1870s, Czech nationalism contained a desire for self-determination. So we're going to listen to the two central tone poems. And tone poems are a type of piece that was made popular by the Hungarian list. And it describes pieces that tell explicit stories or are deliberately evocative of something in particular, as opposed to more abstract symphonies, overtures and so on. Sharka is thrilling, dramatic, and tells a blood-curdling story. Legend tells of the 8th century Maidens' War and bands of female-only warriors. Smetna himself tells the story of this piece. He says, Sharka ties herself to a tree as bait and waits to be saved by the princely knight Chitterad, deceiving him into believing that she's an unwilling captive of the rebel women. Once released by Chitterad, who has quickly fallen in love with her, perhaps a bit too hastily, Sharka serves him and his comrades with drugged mead, and once they've fallen asleep, she sounds a hunting horn, an agreed signal to the other women. The poem ends with the warrior maidens falling upon and murdering the sleeping men. This is savage, and vividly depicted. You hear everything, the violent intent, the jaunty carefree approach of horsemen, the ardent attraction, the carousing, drinking and sly into a drunken sleep. The solo clarinet seems to play the role of Sharka, initially beguiling the prince and then firing up her warriors for the murdering frenzy that follows. And after that, we're off into the Czech woods and fields and one of my all-time favourite passages in music. There's no story here. This is, like Beethoven said of his pastoral symphony, more an expression of feelings than painting. That opening epic, majestic, and to my ears full of a quiet joy, represents an arrival, an enjoying of the view. And like a surprising number of really good pieces, it sounds like it could have been going on before you started listening to it. And that mood passes quite quickly, like all moods do, good and bad, and it becomes quiet. And then there's a tricky little fugue for strings. I may be over-analysing, over-thinking here, but this sounds a bit to me like the busyness of our minds re-encroaching after that quiet moment when all is still and everything's okay. There's more grandeur, turbulence, and to cap everything, the sound of village festivities and a polka. It's a reminder that the countryside is full of people. This piece was originally going to be the end of Marvlast. Smetana had an idea later to add two more movements. You can tell, it's a very satisfying, rousing conclusion. Smetana writes very busy music. There's always a lot to do, which can mean that the texture can be quite thick. Lots of the individual parts 
can look like filler. And this causes a bit of a problem, because in the wrong hands, a conductor who's not quite feeling it, for example, it can sound a bit less thrilling, less alive than it should do. And then it ends up just sounding nice. I think it's one of those pieces where every note, even those that don't appear important, has to be played as if your life depends on it. And then the whole thing really takes flight. I've listened to a few versions, all part of the cacophony service, to make sure that what you hear is as rich and thrilling as it should be. I hope you like it. It's music that makes me always feel really good. Let's click on the show notes and have a listen. I'd really love Cacophony to grow as a community of listeners. There are some things you can do to help. Please, please leave a comment to tell us what you think of the podcast and the music at cacophonyonline.com, Facebook or Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, share it widely. And if you're enjoying Cacophony and really want to help with a bit of cash, you can support us by buying me a coffee. And there's a link to do that in the notes as well. Most importantly, keep listening. Come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.